to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McGann. Today, we're going to talk about the pumpkin sourdough. I introduced this bread last year, and when we made it last year, it was a, a big hit, but it took a long time to, <laughs> to form. The problem is, it, it's one of those breads that we introduce during our busy holiday season, which is uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas in particular. Halloween, a little bit, but not so much. I mean, Thanksgiving is just super busy, um, that whole entire week. And then for December, it's more of the, the month you're busy because of all the holiday parties and whatnot. But anyway, so how we originally did this is I ordered some twine, and we cut uh, six strands, and we laid it down. Well, you start with a cross, and then you do like the stars. Then you put the last two, one on each side, and then we loop it up, and then we tied it on top. And then what happens is your bread dough, which is it's a round dough, it proofs. And then during the oven spring, it pushes into those that twine, and it gives it kind of a pumpkin look. And then for the stem of the pumpkin, we put a cinnamon stick. And that you can get on Amazon, too. So what I'll do is I'll put links to that stuff. But I will tell you, we have evolved. And so what happened towards the later part of the season when we were making the pumpkin sourdough is we end up using clips, so like clothespins, rather than tying it because it took a lot of effort to um, untie it. And so we were trying to reuse the twine <laughs> and half the time we ended up having to cut it. And the other issue was is that we did it too tight. So I did it so it was like gently just resting on the dough ball, but it would spring too much in the oven or during the proofing. So it was harder to control because you're putting it on before it goes undergoes the second proofing and you really can't do it right before you put it in the oven right after the second proofing because the dough is so loose and it deflates on you so you have to do it immediately after shaping the the dough it's just a lot more unpredictable what you're going to get out because we got lopsided pumpkins we got pumpkins that were <laughs> like really grossly exaggerated the lines of the pumpkin you know they're like sticking out like really bad or you know one was yeah I just remember that it, anyway so it was there was a lot of samples on the sample board of that pumpkin sourdough and then you'd get some that would turn out and it would be wow but it just was a lot of effort to get get it and there was um, too many variables so this year what we did is we shape it so you shape it in a round then we do you egg wash it um, and then put in your cinnamon stick. And that's kind of a, a key point there because you don't want to be egg washing around the cinnamon stick. So stick in your cinnamon stick in the middle of your ball and stick it in pretty good, like about an inch, because it's going to pop up a little bit during the proofing. Then what we did is right before we put it in the oven, we just scored evenly um, around the dough ball and then baked it. I have a YouTube link, so I took some photos of it. We just did it this morning, for that matter. It's November 11th, so Veterans Day. And then, so you'll see, um, you see how my baker had scored it, and then it turned out great. Um, and I can tell you that it's much more consistent um, to score it right before you put it in the oven. Two, it's a lot easier because you're not tying twine. You're not laying six. You're not laying your 
you know, your six pieces of twine down and then tying it all up and, and then pulling it all off. And if you Google just um, pumpkin sourdough, some photos of it, uh, you'll find some incredible photos from these home bakers that really take uh, uh, to the next level. I mean, it really is art. But I can tell you that when you're in business, you have to balance that, you know, desire to create art with um, your <laughs> your need to make money. So you can't be doing just outrageous loaves that, you know, they look, like I said, they, they're scoring on each all over it and they're doing the twine. And, and I'm sure the photos that you see on the Internet, those are the good ones. Right, they don't show you all the mistakes they made. It's kind of like when we were first doing it, all the goofy looking ones. I certainly didn't take a photo of that and put it on our social media. So just remember that when you look at those photos. Right, but anyway, so you can do it either way. So I'm just trying to give you an easier version. So maybe you want to start with the easier version is scoring it right before you put it in the oven rather than using the twine. And then if you choose to use the twine, I mean, by all means, give it a shot. But you just want to leave about an inch extra of time the twine on top so it's really like kind of almost falling off the pumpkin that way you could it allow it for room to grow during the second proofing time and then also your oven strength i'm going to uh, give you the recipe and as always i will give you the recipe in the show notes so you don't have to worry about writing it down um, and what we did really with this recipe is i took our regular sourdough recipe. We just played around. We added pumpkin puree. We added cinnamon and we added brown sugar. Um, I didn't want a sweet pumpkin swirl, but if you've ever tasted just regular pumpkin puree, it's not so good. <laughs> it, it really needs the brown sugar and cinnamon. Like I said, the advantage of home baking is you can bake to your own taste. And in this recipe, it calls for a teaspoon of cinnamon. But if you wanted to use a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, a half a teaspoon of ginger, or, you know, whatever, allspice, or, or, you know, whatever your favorite seasoning is, you're certainly welcome to do so. I do like it better with brown sugar versus white sugar or maple syrup. Um, and remember, when you're kind of substituting some of those liquid ingredients, um, it, you have to adjust the recipe. So what we ended up doing is backing down the amount of water. And then we added a touch more of the wheat flour because um, I like wheat flour in my sourdough. And we still have the majority of white flour there. So that's how we created this. What we're going to do is we're going to put in your ingredients into a mixing bowl. And so it's three quarters cup of sourdough starter. And if you don't have any sourdough starter, I covered it in an episode how to make your own sourdough starter. But you can also try to go to your local bakeries and buy some. So we sell it, and it's four bucks, I think, is what we're charging for it. And then it's easier to maintain it after that. And then your water, it's three-quarters of a cup of water. It could be room temperature is fine. I don't necessarily need it warm because I what you're ideally going to do with this loaf is put it in the refrigerator overnight. And the reason why I like to refrigerate sourdough overnight because the cold proofing process allows the dough to get more sour, but not overproof. Um, but the same time is, is, let's say you got a dinner party and you're working, you know, 40 hours a week. You got a lot going on. You just don't really have time to like put it in the refrigerator and then take it out and let it get to room temperature before, you know, playing around with it. So just go ahead and do, a, do it just all in one shot. 
it's fine. It's still going to be good. It's just not going to be quite as tangy. So three quarters cup of water, um, honey, it's two tablespoons of honey. If you'd like to substitute molasses, it's an even substitution. I prefer honey though for my palate, but some people have, or they're vegans and they don't like using honey. Um, so you're welcome to use molasses if that's the case. So yeast, it's one package of yeast or three quarters of a tablespoon. Salt, one tablespoon. White flour, it's your white bread flour, preferably is three cups and then your whole wheat flour it's one cup and I think you're going to need a quarter cup but I want you to hold that back so when you're putting this all in at, in at one time just put in the one cup of wheat flour and save the quarter cup and then when you're kneading and I'll talk about that in a minute here is you can add that quarter cup you can add it on the table you can add it until you get the right consistency and the reason I say that to hold it back, and that's a good idea in all recipes when you're first starting, is hold back a half cup or so, is because it's much easier to add flour to doughs than it is to add water. The other thing to remember is that doughs only get drier. They don't get wetter. So you want to err on the side of your dough being a little bit on the sticky side. Brown sugar is three tablespoons. Your pumpkin puree is a half a cup. All honesty, we use canned pumpkin in the bakery. If you wanted to roast your own pumpkin and, and really go to town with the scratch pumpkin puree, then by all means do so. I'm sure it will taste better. Okay, and then one teaspoon of cinnamon. I prefer for your new bakers out there to use your hand um, and just sort of move it around. And even if you're not new bakers, I kind of still want you to use your hand. I'll tell you why, because we're going to turn it over to the machine, assuming you've got a, a mixer at home. But you still got to get the right amount of moisture in there. To it just helps to get it right closer to at the start of your kneading process. Just take your hand, move it around, get it in a ball, and it's going to be sticky on your hand. If it's not sticky, then you need to add some water or check your measurements. I tested this recipe out, and it was sticky, and that's why I added the quarter cup to the side to hold off. Um, and start adding that a little bit at a time because you're also going to put flour on your table and when you shake the, the dough it's going to incorporate some of that flour as well. A quarter cup is basically four tablespoons so if you want to start adding a tablespoon at a time but I don't want you to add any more than four um, and that will get you to the point where the dough is sticky but it's not like a mushy mess. The other point about doing some little bit of hand kneading it really teaches you the feel of the dough. Um, and that's something that you want to aspire to really get to know because then you don't have to measure as carefully. And then you can also bake in different places um, because there's environmental considerations. And that's just the challenge of bread baking because there's just so many other variables. And you can take out all the elements of rain, humidity, and whatnot um, if you just know what the feel of the dough is. And I got to tell you, too, is all, you know, I've also experimented with different flours because we've ran out or in traveling or whatever. And, and different flours act a little bit different, too. So if you know the feel of the dough, then you are golden. So to get to that point, what I would do is take a notes. Um, you take notes and then you compare it to the end product because, all honesty, you never really know for sure how it's going to turn out until it comes out of the oven. And then you'll know, oh, this is a really good loaf. What did I do this time? 
what if what happened or if it you know doesn't turn out so much it's like what did i do different i thought i did the same thing so it really is a good idea to take notes of your environmental considerations so that would be the temperature of your room also to how long you're needing because sometimes i think what happens too is especially if you're doing it by machine they need a little bit too long and then the dough gets warm and then the proofing happens a lot quicker um, to the point where it's overproofed and then the whole thing deflates in the oven because you have a weakened dough. Or if they overmix, they get, you know, develop the gluten structure and then they overmix it, well, they tear it. And so then you got a weak dough too and it's going to deflate in the oven. So you're not going to get a spring. It's the opposite. It's not, if it's anything, it's like an unspring. You know, it kind of comes back and shrinks and shrivels and it doesn't taste good either beyond the texture problems. All right, so you're taking, a, uh, taking notes on what you're doing, and then we'll compare it to the final product. Before you refrigerate the dough, if you're going to do that overnight, I want you to proof it completely one time. So let it get to about double in size or so. And to be honest with you, sometimes I'm looking at it, I'm like, is it double? I don't really know if it's double or not. Just But make sure it's just bigger, right? <laughs> And then you can kind of get a, uh, a feel for it by, like, pushing your finger in there. It should be kind of soft. And that's when you would refrigerate it to get a little bit more sourness. And ideally, what you do is you remove it from the refrigerator and um, let it sit there for about four hours before you're planning to bake it. Um, and you can go longer depending on the temperature of your room. A cooler room allows the dough to warm up slower, which is always good for sourdoughs. Let the dough warm up in one big glob, too. So, I mean, granted, you know, this recipe I'm giving you is going to produce two of the pumpkin sourdoughs, but we make quite a bit. And so what we do is refrigerate it, and so we put it all in a five-pound bucket, and um, we pull it out of the refrigerator, and then I put it on our dough table away from the oven I don't want it next to the oven I had one baker who was putting my sourdough next to the oven I'm like no man because that was the problem it was proofing too quickly and I ended up with a weak dough so it does it, it just is a little bit better if it proofs you know away from so much heat I let it get to the point where it's still cool to the touch but it's not cold cold and so think a mild cool coolness I guess we'll divide up the doughs in this case you're only divide, cutting your dough in half but we'll divide up whatever it is 12 24 loaves we'll let those proof and as soon as i start seeing any dimpling or the or the dough tearing i know then time to score and get that those loaves in the oven immediately and because that, if you don't then I, I swear next time you turn around five minutes later the whole thing will be um they'll the dough will tear and you'll end up with like i don't know pockmark looking stuff just it doesn't look good when you start to see bubbles in your dough at the proofing stage, it means get in the oven, score it, get it in the oven. At home, like I said, you're just going to divide this in half, let it proof again, but not, um, not really that long. So once you get it out of the refrigerator, it's going to sit there for a few hours, get kind of cool, and then you're going to let it proof. Maybe you know, it depends on the temperature of your room. And so I'm going to say your your house is, you know, whatever. 70 degrees um, I probably would let it go you know 20 to 30 minutes and um, and if your house is colder or a little bit longer if your dough seems really cold still and it's not warming up then let it sit longer but you want to spray it um, I would kind of spray it for a while so like I um, I like 
to spray my sourdoughs anyway because it produces a little bit harder crust. Um, and then it'll stop it from tearing quite as much too. Something that if you want to use the twine, you can. Um, I would check out our YouTube page and you can kind of see how my baker did it. Um, and you can see she did it really quickly. It's just a lot easier doing the original strands. But like I said, you at home, you don't have to worry about being efficient with time or making money. <laughs> so you can just want to be able to enjoy yourself and by all means do. I like to set this at an oven temperature of 425. And I will tell you though, we bake most of our breads at 350. So we've been baking a pumpkin salad at 350. But if I've just made this and I got one batch left, ideally at the end of my bake, I turn my oven to 425. And what I do is I bake it for about 15, 20 minutes because I want to get a little bit of a darker crust. And then what I'll do is I'll turn down the oven to about 350 degrees and continue baking for about another 15, 20 minutes until the internal temperature of the dough reaches 185 plus. And the problem if you bake it all at 425, it gets almost too hard of a crust by the time you get the internal uh, part of the dough baked. And so um, perfect world, you're baking at 425, turn it down to 350. But like I said, we don't live in perfect world. So if you're in a production situation and your oven's set at 350, just let it bake at 350. And if you like a super hard crust, keep spraying with water, you'll get a harder crust and hopefully you won't be burning it if you want to keep it at a 425 temperature the whole time. But you're just getting a little bit risky that it's going to be too brown. And, and I like the orange pumpkin look. Just typically added a little more pumpkin puree to my sourdough than the first recipe we came up with because I want it to be a little bit orange. I mean, it's not like bright orange, which would be kind of weird looking anyway. So it's just an orange tinge to it. And we sell it in the bakery for $7.99. Our normal sourdough, a two-pound loaf, sells for $6.99. So we get a little bit more money for it, and it's also a pound and a half. And it does take a little more labor, but not like it did with the twine. Everybody enjoys this season. Um, I'm going to come up with a, a few more um, pumpkin items, and we've got some cranberry orange uh, coming up too for the holidays, and then we go right into Christmas with all the holiday baking there, um, which is just which is a lot of fun. But we bring out all the specialty loaves, whether it be your gingerbread and your red velvet. You know, we do Santas, we do Christmas trees stolen panettone all that so i will release those episodes as well i did release some of them last year um the stolen i know i did i look forward to hearing about how this turned out for you and if you want to send me photos i can try to help you troubleshoot and i do appreciate you listening i do enjoy this podcast and i have to say i i experiment more so just to make sure um you know i give it to you right that's why I came up with the, you know, turning it up to 425 and turning it down. If you do have problems, I do want to know about it because I can go back to the drawing board and figure out maybe where, you know, whether either you went sideways or I went sideways. <laughs> All right. On that note, everybody, happy baking.